On this episode of the Trade Busters podcast, we're going to be going over the version 2.0 of the ERN or Earn Put Strategy. And I guess this should be called now the Earn Strangle if you guys have been following the trade log. Before I go on, uh, just a quick reminder, of course, that I'm not a financial advisor. So everything on this podcast is for informational purposes only and not to be construed as investment advice. Now, as I mentioned, if you guys have been following the trade log, and if you haven't and don't know about the strategy, I would first go back and listen to episode number 73, where I first introduced it. And so I'm not going to I'm going to try and keep this episode on new stuff and not really repeat any of uh, the original concepts and ideas. So definitely go back and listen to episode 73 if you haven't. And we've been trading this since about uh, November. And I added in the call side to make it a strangle in, I guess, mid-December, it looks like. So in order to find the earn strategy page, right now it's still called the earn put strategy. I'm going to update this to the earn strangle. Go to the Tradebusters page at www.thetradebusters.com. And you will find a link on the left-hand side where it says earn. Uh, Again, right now it says put, but it should say strangle at some point. And there's a link to the strategy page. So I'm going to be referencing this because I want to talk about a few things. Uh, first of all, I want to talk about, you know, introduce new mechanics, talk about reasons for why I didn't do this in the first place, what changed, what kind of made me convinced that this actually was doable. And then we'll talk about how the strategy has gone and talk about sizing before we wrap up. So the new mechanics, uh, the original earn put strategy is the selling the 15 delta put every day for the shortest expiration. So Mondays and th- through Thursdays, you're going to be selling the 1 DTE 15 Delta put. On Fridays, you'll be selling the 3 DTE for Monday. And you're going to put on a 400% stop loss. That's net loss. So if you collect, you know, $3, you're going to collect 5x the credit or 5x credit is the stop. So $3 means you stop out at 15, net loss of 12. With the earned strangle, you're going to be adding the 5 Delta call. This is a skewed strangle. So 15 delta put, 5 delta call, and you're going to put a stop loss as 400% net loss again, but this is going to be based on the entire credit collected of the strangle. So for for instance, if you get $3 on the put and $1 on the call and you collect $4 total, your stop loss will be at $20. So again, you're going to have a net loss of 16, which is 400% of the collected $4. I'm going to go over the specifics of the execution and um, setting up the exits a little bit later. But for now, I want to talk about some of the motivations behind why I decided to do this. So earlier when I've talked about strategies like the theta engine, the longer dated ones, I have said that I tend to avoid the call side because a couple of things long term, you know, if you believe in kind of positive drift, the market goes up. And the majority of the days, you tend to get tested a lot on the call side. I believe, anyways, more so than the put side. And not only that, because of put and call skew, for the same delta, you're going to get less credit on the call side and you're going to be closer to the money. So this combined with the positive drift, it seemed to not really work well with the stop mechanics, right? And Long term, if you take trades to ex, uh, to expiration, the delta is going to be a pretty good proxy of 
the percent in the money. So a 15 delta call is going to land in the money about, you know, 85% of the time. Sorry, 15% of the time, which is fine. But when you apply a stop, again, paired with the closer to the money, seems to have higher gamma. It just didn't really seem to work well. Now, that was the reason I avoided the call side. Now, maybe I didn't test it thoroughly enough. And if, if anybody finds something that works well for a longer data strategy, I'm always open to it. But I realized uh, with a short data strategy, right? Because with now with daily expirations, earn is basically the shortest expiration possible that still has an overnight gap, right? And and it's it's has the gap, it's not zero DTE. But at that short of a time frame, positive drift doesn't necessarily take hold, right? Every day is, is a new day. Now, the majority of the time, yes, the market's going to move. I think over the long term, it's still going to be up more than it's down. But in terms of that gap, and you just don't have like weeks and weeks where the market's just melting up. So it seems like the probabilities are a little bit cleaner. And they kind of work in your favor because in, when you have that gap, but the next day is zero DTE, as long as you can survive that gap, you pretty much, um, you're not going to have that huge IV expansion anymore. And one of the things about having a strangle as well is because of when you sell both sides, you now have to have uh, two directions you can be tested. And what that means is, you know, if, if I sold a put side and the market blows up to the, you know, goes up, obviously you're just going to win, right? The, there's no call side there to be tested. But what I want to get at is when you are tested, for instance, if there's IV expansion, for instance, and you're tracking, you know, Forex net loss of the whole strangle, there's times where the market could go down and even the call side could expand, for instance. So something like IV expansion can cause the entire strangle to inflate, which means you'll hit that stop loss. Potentially, sometimes it feels like you're not even being tested on that side. And it's just, it feels like you're going to hit a stop even when it's not necessarily going deep in the money. That's what I want to get at. But this is obviously alleviated when you sell one DTE, because if you make it through the gap, for one, you're going to pretty much, um, as long as you're not blown up and stopped out at the open, right? the gap takes a lot of the premium. You get a lot of theta if you make it through the next day. But one kind of interesting aspect is, if given that instance where the example I said of a $3 put and a $1 call, if you make it to that date of expiration, which is the next day, and you are tested on the put side, that call side is most likely going to be worthless, right? And vice versa, if you're tested on the call side, the put side is pretty much going to be worthless, which means that most likely you're not going to get a whipsaw where both sides get tested or both sides get stopped. And in the testing, I don't think I've seen any instances of a so-called whipsaw or double stop and definitely not in live trading. Right, so what's interesting is that you get to basically go the distance. So using that example of the $3 put, $1 call, your stop is at $20. You pretty much have to go practically $20 in the money for that option to get, you know, hit that stop loss price. Depending on how early in the day, of course, obviously if it's, it's early day, you can be at the money and, and the option can be pretty expensive. But you basically kind of get to go the distance. And the interesting thing is also what I found is that because of the stop based on the combined credit, it's it's a wider stop than just selling one side. Now, this is a bit self-evident, but I'll give an example. If you have a $3 put 
your stop is going to be at $15, right? Because 5x credit, 4x net loss, so on and so forth. But at $4 collected for the strangle and your stop is at 20 that is already, you know, $5 further than your stop of the just the put, right? So again, it, it widens that kind of landing zone, so to speak. Now, I want to make something clear. The loss amount will, of course, be bigger, but that's because you collected more credit, right? So the strangle when you're collecting $4, kind of think of it just as a larger trade because if you lose 4x of the $4, you're going to lose 16, right? But that's, you know, as long as you understand that you're treating this trade as a package, then that risk reward, that kind of four to one will still hold. And what's interesting is one reason I avoided the, the strangle was the execution, because if you had to exit on a package, now you've probably done these trades where you have like an iron condor, for example, and maybe at the end of the day you hit a stop, but something holds it up. Like if those longs decay and have no value, and they're not liquid, a stop on the whole iron condor is not going to trigger or it'll trigger, but it won't fill because there's no liquidity on those legs, right? You can, and, and so anytime you're executing on a multi-legged versus a single leg, there's always potential execution errors, less liquidity. And that's one reason I was kind of hesitant to do a strangle. But what I realized, and going back to what I just said about when you test it on one side, the other side is, you know, going to be worthless you can set the stops independently, right? So that's the first thing I want to point out as far as the execution. And we can talk about, so you enter at the 15 delta put, you enter at the five delta call. And again, let's say you get $3 and $1, $4 total, your stop is at 20. You're going to set the stop independently on each side, right? You're going to put a $20 stop loss on the put side. You're going to put a $20 stop loss on the call side. And again, I want to reiterate, the chance of both sides being stopped are slim to none. And there's a way to kind of avoid this anyways. And what it is, is when if one side gets stopped out, I will basically cancel the stop on the other side and change it to a trailing stop. And it most likely is not going to hit because that leg is probably worthless. But I'll, I'll put a tight trailing stop like, hey, stop out at a nickel for instance, right? You can go ahead and close it at a nickel if you want, but that can add up too. So I just put the trailing stop and it's never triggered so far. Granted, I don't have a large sample size. So if the put side gets stopped out, you cancel the stop on the call side and do a trailing stop on the call side, vice versa. If the call side gets stopped out, cancel the stop on the put side, put a trailing stop. But the key here is that you are putting independent stop losses, both at the same price, that price being 5X the total credit received and the fact that you have taken this you know two-legged trade but simplified it to single leg execution when i realized this could be done that was a huge motivating factor for me of why i was okay doing this now let's talk about um kind of that that win rate so on the earn page, I now have the screenshots on the mechanics tab of the portfolio view. I have the three DTE backtest and the one DTE backtest because Optional Omega had to do these piecemeal and combine them. But one thing I want to point out that's kind of interesting, you'll see that the win rate is 86.7%, 86.8%. Now I'm going to go back into my Optional Omega and look at the win rate for just the put side. So the put side, 3DT put, 
had a win rate of 89%, right? And the strangle has 86.7. So let's subtract these two. There's about a 2.3% difference in win rate. The reason this is a little interesting to me, so we've talked about in the past win rate and delta, right? So delta is a proxy for in the money percent. So if I have a five delta call, it's about a 5% chance in the money. And the win rate with the stop, you know, it could be around 95%. Let's just call it 95%. Which means if you add the five delta call to this to the put, you would expect to kind of lower the win rate by about 5%. Right? But in this case, there was only a drop of two, not even two and a half percent. And this to me it's interesting because I think again it shows something about the fact that when you can take this wider stop and really go the distance late day on expiration, it allows the true win rate as suggested by the delta to play out. And even though you're using a stop, you can get a win rate in practice that's close to that win rate as if you did not use a stop. So let me, let me pause there for a second because I think this is worth considering, right? Win rate without a stop is the highest, but it's not good because you can take a big loss, right? Win rate with the stop is lower, but you cap the losses, and we talked about expectancy hacking, you know, all those reasons why that makes sense. But if you can get the win rate with a stop to approach or be close to the win rate with, uh, without a stop, you're getting the benefit of that win rate and also getting the capped losses. So I think that is one aspect that makes the earn strangle really interesting in that the win rate is still quite high. And if I hadn't mentioned it, the reason I'm skewing it um, to the five delta is another way to just kind of combat that. I'm still a little hesitant, right? It, I talked about how positive drift kind of doesn't happen in um, a short time frame, but, but it's kind of still there. There's still the skew and the call's been closer to money. So skewing the five delta call to be lower on the delta and further from the money, it seems to, it, it really seemed to help with the overall win rate. Now you may say, hey, if the credit's so much lower, then is that even worth it? Like, is it even adding anything? And at the end of the day, think of it this way. If the put has a certain win rate, it's going to have a certain profit. If the call, as long as it's profitable, and you can test the call side and put side independently as well. If it adds anything, then you're just going to have more profit for the same premium. Because one nice thing, again, remember with strangles, you're not using more capital, right? You're, it's it, the, the capital from the put alone or the capital from the strangle, it's going to be the same. Right? You're not adding any margin requirement by adding the call side. So you're getting that capital efficiency. So all of those kind of aspects together, I think make it really interesting for me. And let's look at what has actually happened so far. So if we look at the trade log, you will see that again, we started around, let's pull up the trade log here, or end of November, 2022. Today is February 23, 2023. So we have 57 occurrences on board, 47 winners, 82.5% win rate, which is actually a little bit lower than the back test, which is fine. 
and the premium capture is 32%. That is really strong. Now, I want to point one thing out. On this trade lock, you're going to see premium capture, and you're going to see theoretical premium capture. Now, what's the difference? Theoretical premium capture is if you were trading at the win rate suggested at the average win and loss size, assuming all the wins were equal and, and the, the losses were equal, that's what your PCR would be, just using those kind of theoretical numbers. In practice, remember, I'm not credit targeting. When you credit target, you're assuming you want all your trades to be the same size in terms of win size and loss size. So your actual capture rate in practice will be very close to the theoretical one. In this case, you'll notice that my actual capture rate is higher than the theoretical one. And that is because, and I mentioned this in the original earn put strategy episode, is that because there's so much leverage involved, I want to control the notional size. I'm, I'm notional targeting, leverage targeting. I'm not credit targeting, which means you're going to take on sequence risk, which is okay because, again, the back tests I did for this were fixed notional, right? And so I'm okay with taking that sequence risk. Now, in this case, the fact that my actual capture rate is higher than the theoretical one means the skew worked in my favor. And we can see an example of this if you go to the trade log, you'll see that the average credit, you know, I've been collecting about $3 on the put side, a dollar something on the call side. And there was some uh, December 12th, December 13th, where I collected, you know, 680 or 870 on the put side. I think this is before I did the strangle. And also when there was these event days where IV was extremely, really sky high. And that was I was okay doing that. Again, like I said, kind of just trusting the, the test. But if those had lost, you can see that I would have basically taken a really large loss, right? much larger than um, the, uh, the normal amount. So the Forex loss on that trade would have wiped out like eight or nine regular wins, right? So I'm, I'm saying that this sequence risk was there. And yes, that's kind of luck that those large winners essentially skewed my actual win um, PCR in practice. I have, you know, some people have asked me, like, should you credit target on those event days and collect less or go down in Delta? I guess I'm okay with that. Um, the only thing is, like, if you do that, then you're kind of deviating from the back test a bit. And then it's kind of like, we don't know exactly how your real results are going to turn out. But if that's what you're more comfortable with, um, I don't necessarily see a problem with that, but I just want to point that out. Right now, I have the benefit of my PCR being skewed positively by those really large trades in terms of credit. Those are still 15 delta, by the way. Um, but anyways, I just wanted to point that out in case you're wondering why is the capture rate higher than the theoretical capture rate. So on that note, well, we should talk a little bit about sizing before we wrap up. So in the back test, I specifically set it as 1x notional, right? So the back test results are assuming if you have a $400,000 account, you trade one contract of SPX, right? That's 1x notional exposure. So you can see that like the Kager is actually pretty good, right? It's about a 5.3% Kager, max drawdown 3%. And, you know, so the MAR ratio is strong. And so that's actually 
pretty good. Um, I talked about buying wings in the last episode. I, I don't remember how much detail I got into, but in my trade log, you can see that I'm buying, you know, the nickel wing, sometimes 10 cents. Occasionally, I'll go higher. The key is I don't want to go more than 10% out of the money from the short strike. So in the trade log, I added two more columns. I added the wing width and the BPR. And the BPR really is just um, the wing width as a percent of the short strike. It's just a percent of notional. So you can see I'm always trying to get the, the 5 cent wing or 10% out of the money, whichever is closer. Call side, no questions. Because you can get, you can, I, I see 2% out of the money. I see 4% out of the money. You can easily get very close. Now, because relative to the call side, that nickel is more expensive, right? So that is kind of pricey, so to speak. But with the put side, if you're getting $3, $4, the nickel is relatively like less than, you know, 1%, 2% of the premium. So when you're doing both of them, it kind of balances out. I looked at my trade log and wing drag accounted for maybe 1.5% of my PCR and fees were like 1%. So this trade is very, very capital efficient, very fee efficient. Um, and so those are, again, two things I really like about this. And what that does is if you are trading the wing at 10% at the money and you're trading 1x notional, that basically means you have 10% black swan risk. Right? If there was a true mega gap, what is your true total max risk, right? If it blew completely past the spread. So 10% risk at 1x notional, I am okay with that, right? I And, and if you can cap that black swan risk buying the nickel or the dime, I really don't see any reason not to. And so for sizing, uh, obviously this is a personal decision, but you can just go by that max risk, right? So if you can trade, so so just at the onset, 1x notional, you can make about 5% return on the account, and it's about 10% BPR. So that's about 50% return on capital, right? So if, you, if you're willing to trade 2x notional, then your black swan risk will be 20% of your account, but you make 10%, right? So just think of it, you can kind of scale it that way. Uh, so I would look at the maximum gap slash black swan risk. Um, on the call side, it's not, well, I mean, I guess we, we don't think markets crash up, so really it's on the downside. So that's why I like to buy the wing that's 10% or less out of the money from the short strike. And I've said before, I'm willing to spend up to 5% of the credit so if you collect $3, I'm willing to spend up to $0.15, cents, sometimes even 20 but that depends on IV and everything. But you can see from the log that's most of the time a nickel. Um, I think that's it on sizing. One last thing I want to point out, if you look through the trade log, you'll see that I have a PL multiple, and most of the time the win multiple is 96%, 97%, or 0 0.97. The remainder, why it's not 100, right, because th these are taken to expiration, the remainder is because that's the drag, right? That's the drag from the wings or whatever. Now, if you see a partial win, you know, for example, on January 20th, I see a 0.35 multiple. That's because that was a cash settlement. If you see the closing cost, anytime you see a closing cost that's less than 5x the credit, it's because it didn't hit a stop, but the market landed uh, past, right? The option landed in the money. And so the cost to close is just whatever the cash settlement amount is. So just want to clear that up. And out of the 57 occurrences so far, we actually had one, two, three, four, five, six stops. 
and the rest of them, one, two, three, four, five, about five times landed in the money. So get used to it. You're going to kind of be quite close some days. And when you're trading 15 Delta, you're going to just kind of get used to it. I think the sizing is the most important aspect. Keep in mind the black swan risk. And so if you want to be cash secured or not cash secured, but if you want to trade at 1x notional, you're going to do about one contract for a $400,000 account, right? If it's a 4,000 strike approximately for trading ES options, ES futures options, then it's going to be 200,000 account for one contract to be 1x notional. And you, I don't know what I think about SPY and XSP because when those instruments are smaller, uh, the fees really add up. So I don't know that I know anyone trading in it. Maybe on SPY, it's liquid, but at the same time, there's assignment risk. So I don't, if you have some feedback, I'm, I'm willing to see if anyone wants to try that, but I am doing on SPX. So hopefully that helps. Um, yeah, the strategy's been going really well since we started this. And, uh, you know, just once a day, I put on around 355, set the stops, and uh, the 82% win rate so far, I mean, Stops still hurt, but overall, um, relatively stress-free, and I'm comfortable with the amount of black swan risk. So sizing is extremely important. So I just want to uh, repeat that again. But with that, hopefully that helps, and we'll leave it there for now. As always, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also visit my trading link at www.thetradebusters.com, where you find all of the strategy mechanics, including a link to the Earn Strangle page trade logs, various essays I've written, and other podcasts I recommend. Finally, you can follow me on Twitter at The Trade Buster. That's for today. Thank you all for listening, and I will see you guys next time.